Welcome to the Whose Body Is It podcast. I'm your host, Isabella Malvin. For those who don't know me, I'm a birth worker, a life coach, hypnotist, and a former liberal feminist turned radical truth teller. On this podcast, I expose the forces at play attempting to control our minds and bodies, such as transgender ideology, pornography, prostitution, and so much more. Together, we'll untangle patriarchal lies as you listen to jaw-dropping interviews with women from around the world. Warning, while listening to this podcast, you might find yourself triggered or perhaps notice where you've been biting your tongue on the issues that matter most to you. In my coaching and hypnosis, I help women and men stop getting triggered by every single thing, cultivate resilience, stop unwanted behaviors, and increase self-confidence. You can book your first session at whosebodyisit.com, and you can find that link in the episode show notes. And I just want to say that it's because of your endless support that I'm able to interview amazing women, get their stories out, and produce regular episodes for you. So with that being said, please like, comment, and subscribe to my channel on YouTube. And if you're listening in, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And also consider making a financial contribution via the link in my show notes. You can also visit my activist sticker shop. My pro-woman stickers have the power to intercept transhumanist programming. So take a photo of your stickers out in the wild and tag me on Instagram at Whose Body Is It? Without further ado, let's get into this week's story. Today, we continue the conversation around the dovetailing of gender identity and colonization of indigenous populations with Maori activist and organizer Michelle Uriaro. Michelle began her activist work with refugees in Australia, but was radicalized on the issue of synthetic sex identity because of its potentially genocidal impact on Maori populations. Indigeneity brings a unique perspective from other women, she says. We see gender identity as a second colonization, and we are not even sure if we will survive it. Through colonization, Michelle notes, language is removed by force. You speak, read, think, and dream in your language. Everything that makes you you is expressed through language. So what happens when it's removed? Well, in this empty vessel, postmodernism, Western European and academic paradigms, can be imposed, implanted. Michelle sees a real and present danger to the Maori people who already experience higher rates of suicide, incarceration, and now with the imposition of gender ideology, more sterilization and extermination of future generations. We discuss the organizing strategy and tactics of feminist activists in Australia and New Zealand and break down the violence and media spin following Kelly J. Keene's Let Women Speak tour in March. So my name is Michelle Uriaro and um, I was just explaining where I'm from. Um, and which uh, tribe I'm from. I'm New Zealand Māori, but I do live in Australia and I've been here for some time now. And I'm co-founder of Women's Action Group Southwest Victoria and Manawahine Kōrero in New Zealand and Australia. International, I guess you could say. You know, what What got you into activism and, and organising in the, in the way that you are now? I was involved in um, refugee advocacy for a few years um, in the area that I live, you know, helping with the admin and all that type of stuff. But I wasn't as deeply as involved as I am for these two groups uh, that I helped co-found. Um, in short, the synthetic sex agenda or gender identity ideology is, is the um, impetus for creating these groups and for the activism that we do, because purely because of the seriousness 
of it. And I kind of, you know, indicated to you before we started recording, you know, we do have a, for Manawahini Kōrero, we do have a, um, didn't think so at first, I've got to admit, but I, I you know, discovered over the years uh, that we do have a bit of different viewpoint mm. uh, than, than other women, purely because of our indigeneity, uh, the fact that we are, we are a minority, you know, we barely survived the first colonisation, that's just a fact, uh, for a myriad of reasons. Uh, and, you know, we see gender identity as the second colonisation. We, we're not even sure if we'll survive it. When you say we see gender identity as the second colonisation, are you speaking to what you believe is another targeted attack at the remaining women and men is that what you mean like uh um can you can you speak more on that absolutely so when we when we say uh the second colonization absolutely everything about gender identity ideology uh maps pretty much maps colonization so you're looking at for example the indoctrination in schools like our elders were forced to speak english um, and they were ne- they were not allowed to speak their language, we call te reo, um, or they would be beaten. And, um, you know, it's a bit sick, isn't it? Of course, now you, you're not allowed to do that to children. So what do they do? They ostracise children or they um, shame children. Similar thing. And you know, I guess one way, the quickest way for <laughs> that I use to describe it is, you know, these colonisers, Isabella, they've gone from we identify as your landowners we identify as your leaders, we identify as your teachers, we identify as your healers, until we get to today, we identify as you. So that's how we see it, (laughs) Um, if that makes any sense. But, um, you know, and then uh, further from that, you know, when when the indoctrination in schools is teaching children, our tamariki and our mokopuna, our children and our grandchildren, that they could possibly be born in the wrong body, that idea, the very idea of that is um, we consider it to be tapu, uh, which means it's um, sacred, so therefore forbidden. You don't, that's, there's just no such thing. We've never, ever, ever in our history given birth to children and believe that they were born in the wrong bodies. And it's a very um, insidious idea to plant in a child's head you know, so when we're looking at for our for our people, you know, we have like there's a lot of first, you know, we're leading in a few things. So we've got highest rate of suicide, youth suicide in particular, from ages 15 to 24. Um, it's almost double the rate of non-Maori in New Zealand. Um, wow. So you add that, you look at that. Yeah, it's pretty serious. Um, you also look at um, you know health outcomes for Maori a lot less than for non-Maori. I don't like saying normal, but others, I should say. Um, you know, you've got also, we've got higher incarceration rates than anyone else in New Zealand. Um, but then going back to this indoctrination of children, planting the seed that they can be, you know, the opposite sex if they so choose, or this, you know, the nonsense term non-binary, it means absolutely nothing. Um, it creates another binary, by the way, too. You know, if it's non-binary, do you know what I mean? Then they acknowledge because they're ident- not identifying, gosh, I can't stand that word anymore, but, you know, they're, they're, relating, they're relating to the word binary and saying, oh, we're not that, if that makes sense. It's just twisted. Um, you know, when our, once, once our children and our grandchildren start sterilising or castrating themselves, Isabella, that ends our whakapapa. There is no, there is no children, like there's no lineage coming from that child. And when you add everything else into the mix, the fact that, you know, there are women and obviously Māori women who aren't able to to bear children for whatever reason. There are Māori women that choose not to have children. And by the way, they absolutely are well within their right to choose that, make that choice for themselves. Um, you know, you, you put all of that into the mix. We see this as an extermination of our people. Because we are the minority in New Zealand, it's just a fact. There's not much of us left. There's not many, and even if our tamariki and mukupuna in schools now don't buy into it, um, you know, we don't know. We don't know the impacts of um, of this ideology. 
because it's the first time it's ever happened. So we don't have any data to suggest that they may actually believe it but don't want it for themselves. They may do it to their own children. And even if they don't do it to themselves, they might fall in love, have a partnership with someone who does believe it. That's how that's we see it as a contamination. Mm. And you see what I'm saying? If that makes sense. Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I, I really appreciate your framing. I mean, you know, you're saying that the, the stakes are really, really high. I mean, w- when we Absolutely. like zoom out, I mean, I, I'm hearing just a, a, a real sense of urgency. You know, when you're talking about ending the lineage, that is not mm-hmm. the kind of language I use when I'm talking about, you know, um, middle, upper middle class, um, predominantly white uh, girls who are being targeted here in the U.S. You know, I'm not going to will this end our lineage lineage. I'm thinking, okay, abuse of the medical paradigm of medical industrial complex. I'm thinking sterilization. I'm thinking eugenics, but I'm not quite going to ending lineage. So when I hear you say that, I just think, well, okay, well, for and the other reasons you listed, like the the suicide rate, and yeah, what you know, what I'm hearing you say is just the stakes are so high. They're very high, Isabella, and that's why we do, you know, we are considered to be quite hardline, <laughs> and that's why, you know, we don't we refuse to call men women. We just cannot because our culture hasn't ever called a tane a wahine, you know, like a man a woman. There are certain protocols in our culture, for example, like when, I don't know if you've heard of our marae. So each, so we're not a homogenous group, Māori. We are made up of different hapu, and that's what I introduced myself before, my, you know, my tribes. And each hapu has their own marae, like their own, um, oh gosh, what would you call it? Like your own community centre, I guess you could call it, for the families that belong to that hapu, that tribe. And for each marae, you know, obviously you have the people involved um, and caring for the community. That's usually where we have our birthdays, where we have celebrations and our funerals, our tangi as well. So it's a very, it's it's like a hub, I guess you could call it. When we have visitors into the marae or coming onto our land, the calling, the greeting or the person that causes must be, must be a woman. We call it karanga, the calling. And that's because only women can give birth. Only women give birth to lot, you know what I mean, to humanity. So for us to consider that a man could take that place, <laughs> then we would be saying, oh, well, men can give birth, right? And we don't have any, there's no evidence of the stuff in our, in our culture, not in our songs, our waita, our haka. I don't know if you know what a haka is, our, you know, war dances, our, Audio, mm, our yes. alibis, our mm. nothing. You know, it's just not there. I mean, maybe we had some um, some people that were gender dysphoric, maybe. But if so, there's still, again, there's still no evidence of it. And we can. It's easy to say, oh well, they they just didn't come forward. Okay, but that does not mean <laughs> that that it existed because. You know, if you look at gender identity, there, there's a whole lot of social angst behind that. And society was very, very different for our people pre-colonisation than it is today. So, you know. Yeah, I, I, I spoke to um, uh, uh, Cherry Smiley, who's of the Navajo, and um, I'm forgetting her mother's tribe, but she was saying that when she asked her grandmother about... Hey, grandma, were there men in, you know, dresses or were, you know, and the grandma, her grandma said, uh, and again, this is one account, you know, one grandmother, mm. but her grandmother. And yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's a story. She said, uh, men started wearing women's clothes, clothing after the white men came. Yeah. Well, I mean, that tracks for us as well. Like definitely, you know, post-colonization. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's been, a, you know, a vital, like a central part or any part of our culture. Uh, and I'm just going on evidence, if you know what I mean, proof. Like we just don't have any, that's all. And mm-hmm. I personally would rather say we don't know. Like we just don't have that evidence. I always just think, okay, well, 
you know, as you mentioned, J Jennifer Billick's, you know, term synthetic sex identity requires like an industry. It requires medical technology, you know. So if the medical technology wasn't there even like 50 years ago, what do people think, you know, who was doing all the top surgeries and the bottom surgery, you know, just like it wasn't a thing. It just, how, how could it be possible? But even, even if it was just social, so-called transition to Isabella, like, you know, thinking about the way that our ancestors, our tipuna, wore their, um, I don't know if, you've know if you know, but we, um, our ancestors wore mukul, so tamukul, so, you know, tattoo on their faces. So for the men, usually full face, sometimes half, just depending, and sometimes full body. My ancestor had full body tattoo, full body tamukul. And for, for women, for wahine, it was actually the lips and the chin. So if it's if we're saying that there were indeed men, you see what I'm saying? That we would have had men with just the lips and the chin, nothing else. But we don't. And we would have had women either with the full, you know what I mean, the full time or but we don't. There's just no evidence right. of it. Right. If there was this such this wild disconnect, there would have been like a visual representation, there would have been something that would signify like a, a clash. Yeah. But what you're saying is that there was a very clear, you have this tattoos because you have these tattoos and these markings mm. because you are female and you have these because you are male. <laughs> it's it, it's not hard, binary, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, but also too, I mean, there's just the, a bit of detail is that not, not every man or woman actually wore mukul either, just depending on which hapu they were in, which tribe they were in. Um, every tribe was different. Like in my tribe, you actually have to be um, approved, I guess you could say, to wear tamukul. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's just the way we, we do it, but not all hapu, not all tribes are, are like that. So, Is there an approval process because it's just such a high honor or, or, or what is the, how does, how does, I'm just curious, how does it, how does it work, particularly yeah, for women? Great. Well, I mean, my understanding, this is pre-colonization, my understanding was you had to be, for my hapu, my tribe, you had to be um, someone of standing. So, and it had to be um, approved, I guess, uh, by the leaders, the rangatira. Mm. So, you know, can you, can you go into like how you've been seeing it pop up or maybe how you, where you haven't been seeing it, cause it's kind of everywhere, but um, would you say that, you know, and maybe you can speak to what's going on in New Zealand and also in Australia, but particularly, you know, the land of the area where you're from, are there like gender clinics, you know, are they setting up actual medical clinics targeting mm -hmm. your hapu's like youth? Well, <laughs> so for New Zealand, um, actually last time I checked, so I could, this could be out of date by now because this, this monster does, this beast does move quickly, right? So last time I checked, there were no gender clinics as such in New Zealand, but that could well have changed, Isabella, because it was actually Di Landy, um, the other co-founder of Marawahine Kōrero, uh, that told me a few weeks ago that the that there are 10 times more children on puberty-blocking drugs in New Zealand than there are in the UK. So it seems as though, um, or rather last time I checked, there were doctors actually just prescribing prescribing the medication to children. Wow. Like a take-home, like order to your door. At least. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but for Australia, there are gender clinics, but we, <laughs> the, the biggest one, the most, I guess, well-known gender clinic in Australia is uh, a few hours away from me in Melbourne. Um, and that's at the Children's Hospital. So it's based right there at the Children's Hospital in Melbourne. And it's almost like it's like that's the that's the destination. But, you know, the the pronouns and the social trend, you know, what's called social transition and, and you know, the media, like it's it's all, you know, like you. What was it? The term you used it, a contamination. I really yeah. appreciate that. It really is a contamination and it does spread. It does spread so quickly, and I appreciate you saying, um, like that your your flags are up. First, uh, we tell you we're uh, your landowners. Then we tell you yeah. we're your teachers. Then we tell you how mm -hmm. to forget your language, and yeah. then we tell yeah. you, no, we just are you. Uh, yeah, that's that's been the trajectory. Like no one can deny that. <laughs> 
right? <laughs> yes. Yes. And I, and you know, it's so interesting because I think, how do I put this? I think when Jennifer Billick first, you know, she was the first woman that I heard talking about the colonization of female biology. And if you don't personally, or I'll speak for myself because I don't personally feel like talking about colonization or feeling the impact so heavily of colonization is not a huge part of my consciousness. It just, it's, it's not the way that I've had to navigate the world. And so yeah. hearing that word was like, really me, uh, my mind and body is being colonized. Okay. Well, I was convinced to take hormonal birth control. Okay. I can see how I was, you know, manipulated in certain ways. You know, I, I can see how I've been a, a victim in, in certain ways, but colonizing my biology, you know, and I think women in my demographic as well, I think have a hard time believing that in so, on some level that we could be victimized because we're constantly looking like um, outward or projecting outward. I guess to my, my, my point is that I, uh, you, you being able to kind of connect those lines like immediately is like totally distinct from the way that, I, you know, I as a, a white woman, you know, in the US, it was able to kind of have the information click. Um. That's good. <laughs> that's good. Because, <laughs> and that's what I mean by we, we have a very different take on it. And it's not until we say that you can see the penny, like <laughs> the penny drop, like, oh, yeah. And I mean, I understand that that word colonization. A lot of people go, oh, you lost me at colonization, Michelle, because <laughs> they don't like to talk about it. They don't like, you know. Um, but it's a fact, right? It's a reality. We talk about reality. We don't We don't care if trans rights activists get upset at us for talking about reality. We don't care who. We will speak the truth regardless mm -hmm. of people's feelings about it, you know, because it's that urgent. Not We're not going to, we don't, you know, say, oh, we're not transphobic or, you know, because to us and our culture, there's no such thing as transgender because we don't even have a word that trans, like, and I'm talking about, you know, pre-colonisation. We have now because it's just been introduced to our language. We don't even have a word that translates to gender in our mm. language, right? So when people say, oh, Michelle, you're transphobic, it makes no sense to me. It doesn't mean anything because humans can't change sex. Men can never be women. Women can never be men. No such thing as being born in the wrong body. And that is basically the kernel of that ideology. But, you know, if anything's predicated on a lie, then everything else that spreads out, that fans out from that, it's going, to, it's contaminated already. It's a lie. It's just getting worse and worse and worse over the years. I mean, I'm not sure how long you've been, you yourself have been at this. I've been at it since um, stumbled on it in 2017 and kind of went, what? You know, that was my peak trans was in a uni course um, for Indigenous Australia. I loved that it was made available for um, non-Indigenous Australians because they're not, you know, made, they're not offered that often. And it was just a like a quick course. The first assignment was fantastic. Second assignment, Isabella, they threw out the gender-bred person. And I, I thought, what? What is it? Um, and then I had this, it was quite clear that I was the only one in the group that had no idea what was going on. And I felt like I'd been living under a rock. I seriously did. Um, and then all these assumptions about Indigenous Australia, or Aboriginal, I should say, sorry, Aboriginal culture. And I'm thinking, mm, and yeah, I, I don't. I don't know that that's true because, you know, if you know anything, just the, just basic, just the basics about Aboriginal culture is that they always have had women's business and men's business. You know, for the, the mob that live on whose land that I live on, they even say women are not allowed to play the didgeridoo. They actually don't call it didgeridoo, mm. sorry. They forget the other name for it or their traditional name for it. I do apologise. You see what I'm saying? So that rang alarm bells in my head and I've not looked back since. Wow. Pretty much. But, hey, just going back, sorry, if you, if you don't mind me making this point, but when it comes to, um, you know, thinking about thinking about this movement or agenda, sorry, in terms of colonisation, you know, one of the things um, that really struck me too in my peaking moment was the language change. So 
obviously, like, you know, the definition of woman, anyone who claims to be a woman. So one of the, that's one of the tools, that's a colonizer's tool is to aim for the language. And when you think about it on a deeper level, I probably spend too much time thinking about it, but, you know, the way my elders described it to me, you know, when your language is removed from you, especially by force, you know, you it's not just that you speak your language and you read your language, Isabella, you think in your language, you formulate thought in your language, you dream in your language. Everything that you that makes you you is expressed through our language. It's thought in our language. When that's removed, can you imagine? Can you imagine what, what does that, that leaves you like an empty vessel. It's very, very dangerous, very dangerous. That is so frightening. That is so frightening. Mm. So, okay, so it's 2017, you're peaking, you're like, what the hell is this? What's going on? Deep dive. Who did you turn to? Yeah. What were the responses to friends, family? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, sure. I actually, to be honest with you, at first I sat on it for a while because I wasn't sure that what I was hearing was true. I wasn't sure if this was just made up because it's so out there and outlandish. <laughs> I'm thinking, Maybe I've got this wrong. Maybe I'm misunderstanding mm. something. So I know Kelly J. Keane Mitchell was definitely in there. I couldn't see anyone in New Zealand speaking about it because, to be honest, that's the first place I looked. Someone in New Zealand, is anyone talking about this back home? What is going on? I came up blank. There was yeah, nothing. Only, you know, trans, trans rights are human rights, trans rights are, you know, those mantras. That's all I um, discovered from back home back then. Um Oh, and then Wagga Feminist, fantastic Facebook page. I made a comment. I can't even remember what, what, what it was about, what the post was about. And she politely corrected me. And the moment <laughs> she corrected me, I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, then, and I actually went, I sent her a message. I said to her, I'm so, so sorry. I apologize. For what I said. She's like, oh, don't worry about it. It wasn't like I wasn't being rude or anything. but um, And that set me on the path. So Wagga Feminist um, in Australia. And then I found um, Magdalene Burns, of course. I found Magdalene Burns, the wonderful Magdalene Burns. It feels like years ago. It feels like a lifetime ago, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, I, I, ask, I ask a lot of women this, and, and some women have, like, blocked it out, I, I find. Yeah. You know, some of them are just, like, there were so many, like, friendship losses and weird gaslighting yeah. things that, like, it's kind of, I mean, I can, I can relate to that, too. And also so much has happened you know, since that. So I, I, I don't know if that, that was your experience, but um, okay. So you were kind of like looking to the internet and looking for, for people who were speaking out when you say that the, the admin corrected you, was that like a more quote progressive feminist group or was that a like-minded, that was a like-minded group? Yeah. So, so walk a feminist on Facebook, they're excellent. They're, um, I know that they, I'm pretty sure that they've been banned every now and then, but um, but you know their their stuff that they put out, it's all gender critical. But yeah, they they pretty much set me straight. And then from that point on, because you know I was still thinking, like I said, I was still doubting myself that mm. surely not, surely these violent men aren't in women's prisons. Surely that can't be right. You know that's just internet gossip. But no, it's not. It's actually true. Unfortunately. What was the response from, like, friends and family? I mean, were you, did you have a kind of a, uh, as what, it, Carrie Smith, she's a, she's a, um, uh, a podcaster here in, in Texas, actually, and she calls it the great unfriending. She went through the great unfriending. I love that. I love that phrase. Did you, did that happen? Yeah. Did that happen to you? Did that yeah. happen with elders that you knew? I mean, did it happen across the board or can you, can you talk a little bit about that, that part? Yeah, sure, sure. Look, first for my whanau and my family, no, that, you know, there's no unfriending, not on that, you know. Um, might fall out over other things, but, <laughs> but no, not on that. And definitely not my elders. Like they, you know, they've said to me, no, <laughs> there's none of the stuff in our culture. Really? You know, so I kind of peaked them, you know. Um, actually, my dad rang me this morning because, you know, he wanted to talk about Auckland, but, um, but yeah, I said, Dad, I've got to get ready. I'll come back to you. But anyway, um, so even my father, like when I explained it to him, he it didn't the penny didn't quite drop 
until I said to him, what if I came out tomorrow as a man, Dad, and I rang you and I told you that you need to call me Michael and my pronouns are he and him. And for him, the penny dropped. And I tell you why the penny dropped for him, Isabella, is because on my father's side, he's Cook Islander, the, the family land, all titles get handed to the eldest son. Mm. So, and I'm the eldest daughter. So if I became, if I changed to, so that's what, that's what, you know, um, that's what got it for him. You know, everyone comes to this differently in their own way, depending on their own point of view, obviously, and, you know, their own circumstance. Um, but yeah, look, as far as friends are concerned, um, look, I'll be honest. The, I mean, there were friends that uh, they were actually more friends of friends. Um, one kind of friend had a go at me, but you know, losing those people on my Facebook friends list, whatever, you know. <laughs> um, but my closer friends have not, they don't speak to me much, they leave me alone, they support me. Well, I don't even know those, that they support me, but you yeah, know, that I don't hear from them ever, pretty much. <laughs> so, but then again, you know. Because of this work that I've been involved in, Isabella, I have made the most amazing, amazing friends out of it. I really have. And um, and for that, I'm really... Like, I haven't even met Di Landy, who I co-founded Manawa Hene Kōrero with. And we always end every phone call with, I love you, you know. Oh, my God. Um, and the thing is, look, I get it. I get it, Isabella. I know that, you know, when women speak out... As we saw in Auckland, you know, they are, we are silenced. We, you know, the threat of losing our jobs, you know, single parents, like we, um, when we first started Manawahine Korero, I, I was in contact, or rather, young women contacted me, young Māori women, who were frightened about even speaking against uh, gender identity ideology because single mums, or even mums, you know, there was a myriad of, there was a mix of them. They can't afford to lose their jobs. They've got to put food on the table, you know, for, for their children and their grandchildren, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's just far too much at stake. But that mm -hmm. is by design, as Dylan calls it, hashtag by design. You know, colonisation, that's what it does. It frightens you into doing what the overlords want you to do. That's how it works. And, you know, here... Yeah, I mean, you bring up the just being able to provide for your family. And then here we've had so many cases. And if you've seen this too, with, you know, it being used in divorce court, you being used against uh, each parent. So like, if you don't, if you don't, you know, the, the child will say like, I want to live with dad because dad is going to put me on testosterone. Oh, and so the mom okay. can be um, complicit in the medicalization of the child or lose custody. Jeez. If if she has an, a narcissistic ex-husband, you know, but it, I, I've seen it used here in the court system. Um, and I, I work with women who are, yeah, going through this and and really don't, they don't want to lose full custody of their kid, but they, they, they tread lightly or it's just, it's, it's a total disaster. But yeah, you bring up the point of just, yeah, I mean, you see, sometimes it's, you just can't even afford to lose your job. So what, what, what do you do? It's a, it's a real, it's a real tricky, it's a real tricky place to, to be as a mother. Yeah. As you said, a single mother. So, okay. So then, yeah. When did you like really start organizing? Was it immediate? Did you have a background in, or like, what was your background before this kind of work? Were you, were you an organizer? Were you an activist in other realms or like, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? And then Sure. So no, not really an activist. Um, so my background is in corporate. So I've come, I've got a corporate background. Um, really, I mean, my title was account manager, and then it changed to provisioner, I think it was, yes, provisioner. Um, and then I became a project manager. You know what I mean? In the corporate world, titles don't really mean what they say. <laughs> it's So it's really just glorified customer service, you, you know, constantly mm. organising things for your customers and all that type of stuff. So, yeah, so I'm – and I'm pretty good at the admin side and all that type of stuff purely because that's, that's what I did for a living, you know what I mean? So for Women's Action Group Southwest Victoria, um, and it's myself and two other women, uh, one of whom used to run for the Greens Party in this area, 
and we started Women's Action Group in 2019, which was the same time that the Victorian state government, um, Labor government, had introduced for the second time to Parliament the Sex Self ID Bill. You know what I mean when I say Sex Self ID. So it was the birth, deaths and marriages, and I forget, it was a long, long title. And so when that happened, we thought, right, <laughs> we need to organise so that we can address this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny because thinking back to those days, I, I don't know that we realised quite what we were in for. Mm-hmm. And here we are still doing the same, you know, we're not doing the same actually. We, you know, for Women's Action Group, we started doing Speakers Corner events last year. But anyway, so so that was for Women's Action Group. And then... I'd always had it in the back of my mind, like I was explaining before, Isabella, you know, with for my people, my culture. I've always had it in the back of my mind that I really wanted to, if no one else is going to do anything back home in New Zealand, then probably the time to step up. So um, so we started Manawahine Korero in 2021, I think it was. And that was also in response to the New Zealand government uh, introducing similar bills, so sex health ID and the conversion therapy bill, which erroneously adds gender identity. So, so yeah. Wild. And so what kind of action items do you now, you mentioned like let women speak, speaker, like speaker corners events, what other action items? Yeah. What, what services do you offer? Um, how do you gather? Can you talk a little bit more about just the organizational um, component of, of what y'all offer? Yeah, sure. Sure. So for Women's Action Group, um, you know, we spent, you know, the, obviously the first few years meeting with politicians, writing to politicians, petitioning politicians, um, meeting with other women's groups, you know, organising with other women's groups, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we thought last year we need to get, we need to start getting out on the street and doing something because clearly uh, they're not listening. Um, and so inspired, obviously, by Kelly J. Keane in the UK, we decided to go to Speakers Corner events, uh, which I MC. Um, and and so we've only been going since October last year. Um, but we can see incrementally, like with each event, Isabella, like the last event, uh, my fellow co-founder and I were going, oh, I don't know, we might get six or seven people rocked up. <laughs> I was totally unprepared. There's quite a few people there. I'm. I think I counted something like 20 maybe or something like that, which is a lot for us considering we started out with not that many anyway. We just thought it was really important that we start getting out there, making this platform available. We've got no plans of going like national or anything like that. We are based in Victoria. Um, You know, we do want to um, go to regional Victoria Mm-hmm. as well not just in Melbourne uh, but that will happen you know down the track so that's for Women's Action Group here in Australia um, and for Manawahine Korero in New Zealand well basically it's almost like you're putting out fires you know what I mean it's like oh gosh Midwifery Council has decided to you know issue their their guidelines saying that now they're going to remove the word woman from so it's more New Zealand is on the tail end of all of this from, you know, like the US, Canada Mm -hmm. um, and other places, um, UK and Australia. So they're on the tail end. So they're going through now pretty much what Australia was going through like a few years ago, if that makes sense. So, you know, policies and, you you know, laws, policies in particular are being changed in New Zealand. So it's more like that we're putting out fires. But um, but when we heard that Kelly J was um, going to be doing, you know, a tour Australia and New Zealand, um, Di really wanted to step up and help with the organisation. And my goodness, um, can I just credit to Diane Landy and Sarah Henderson in particular, all the paperwork that they did. Oh, God, the, the councils that <laughs> made, the, you know, made us do pretty much a thesis. <laughs> Unbelievable. And then those riotous people just rock up (laughs) unbelievable anyway before we continue talking about um the recent auckland events you were gonna also share about some other actions that that you've done yeah Yeah, just quickly so in new zealand um di landy and her sisters have um 
I guess this is you know being proactive as well. Um, they've done it, I think, oh, might be twice or three times now um, on International Women's Day. <clears throat> pardon me. They've woken up very very early in the morning, and they have travelled to Wellington, and they have chalked up a storm, putting everything everywhere, saying men can never be women, puberty is not an illness, sis my. I can't. I don't know if I can say the word on your channel. Sis my behind. Um, you know, <laughs> putting all these so that people can see, they, they get a visual representation of what's going on, you know, XX woman. And and they have obviously met with, with politicians as well. They even met with the human rights, uh, the who's in charge of the Human Rights Commission in New Zealand, Paul Hunt. He is actually one of the authors of the Yogyakarta Principles. So, oh, wow. Mm, um, and signatories, so, yeah. I don't think uh, things with the Human Rights Commission in New Zealand are going to be changing anytime soon, Isabella. Yeah. But anyway, so, you know, they have absolutely done, you know, so much work beyond wow. just putting out fires. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's amazing. I mean, the work never ends. I mean. Because it changes as well. You just don't know one day to the like, We never thought we'd be spending our time doing damage control <laughs> This way, you know, we never even, you know, considered that possibility. But anyway, yes. I saw I saw like a meme recently of like one of those um like carnival fairs where the hippos are coming out of the holes and someone's just banging, you know, you have to like bang them really they come up really fast and yeah. you have to like bang them back in. And it was like some uh this is what it feels like, like with all the bills trying to sterilize minors or, or something it's just either here in here in texas we have bills yeah just popping up it's it's not in the legislative capacity it's like nothing is even if we pass something it can it can be reversed you know it's like it nothing ever feels quite steady is what i'm i'm you know i'm finding uh here in the legis in the legislative capacity you know i am not an expert on this i am not this is not my lane of genius but it's I just as someone who's resharing, you know, the petitions and spreading awareness about which bills are popping up. I just you can't. It's it's. I find it difficult to even keep up, keep up. There are yeah. so many, and it is. I think it's a tactic. It's like to overwhelm. You know, it's to That's overwhelm right. and to confuse, and it works. Mm, it does. It keeps everyone busy too. Like, oh no, mm. I've got to, you know. Um, it really does. And so you you know, at some stage, you got to wonder. Why are they keeping us busy? There's obviously something else going on. That's <laughs> how we look at it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Kelly J, you, you bring, you, you facilitate Kelly J coming to, going to New Zealand. There are women on the ground. There, as you said, there were and with, like. And you, and with her UK team as well. Sorry, I should point that out. Yep. Obviously. With her, <laughs> with her UK team as well. And so. It's my understanding, please correct me if I'm wrong, that she was scheduled to come and then a very like well-known media channel made the suggestion, accused Kelly J of making a uh, white supremacist hand signal when she was yeah, just was. touching her touching zipper. <laughs> she was like playing with the zipper of her hoodie. Like her branded yeah. merch, she's just like playing yeah. with it, and then so that well, well, you, actually yeah, though, you... Isabella, that was actually that wasn't even the start of it. It actually started in Melbourne. I went to the Melbourne event. It was fantastic, by the way, um, absolutely brilliant. Um, I spoke very, very briefly, uh, and I I was so so pleased to see quite you know quite a few supporters for Kelly J. Mm -hmm. There were six groups of us. And by my count, by the way, um, including us, um, like outside Parliament House. And when the Nazis rocked up, Isabella, we didn't know who they were because you're not allowed to wear the insignia, obviously. It's, you know, you're not allowed. So they were just in plain black clothing with, and it was a stinking hot day. Like it was like the hottest day recorded in like 10 years, the hottest autumn day in 10 or something like that. So we would, we'd gone prepared, you know. And, um, so they were all in black and some had black masks, like, you know, just just the masks, COVID masks, I guess. 
some didn't, some weren't wearing masks, um, black, black hats, most of them. And so we didn't know who they were, no idea. And you, we had the synthetic sex activists, <laughs> <It's funny. laughs> you know, opposite us. And then there was Antifa. They came mm. up the other side on the right, right of us. And then these guys stood in front of them and we're like, what? And then and there were, I must admit, the police in Melbourne did a brilliant job. At first we were thinking, oh, they're not doing enough. But, of course, after Auckland, oh, my goodness, that, that, <laughs> they're far better than, obviously. They were there at least. They did their job. Um, but the police, we had mounted police in Melbourne. They even rocked up with the biggest divvy van I've ever, ever seen in my life. Um, there were police all along the top, um, the first, sorry, at the top of the first tier of steps, of steps outside Parliament House, because you're not allowed to go beyond that by law, apparently. So it was well policed, and they were doing their job quite well by keeping all of us apart kind of thing. So that's where it all started, Isabella, because, of mm. course, when, when women stand in the same street as men we've never met, um, you know, we're not associated with, and they start doing the Nazi salute, of course that's women's. That's our fault, isn't it? So that's where it started. And then it just rolled on from there. The state premier made a um, a press statement. <laughs> so, you know, so it was just Nazi, 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 Nazi. So this is what was fed to New Zealand the entire week, pretty much but in the lead up to her event in Auckland, to when she arrived in Auckland. It's all lies. It's rubbish. You know, to, to think that Manawahine Corridor, like, the Nazis don't care about us. <laughs> they wouldn't, you know, wouldn't give us a time of day. But it's just ridiculous. It really is. You know, at the time, I have to admit, I did think to myself, this feels, it feels contrived. Mm. It feels orchestrated. Mm. Whether it was or not, I have no idea. But my goodness, then Kelly J had, um, I think she went to Hobart and then Canberra, I think. Now, Hobart, oh, my God, you know, we, we expect Hobart to be feral because they are deep, they are deeply imbued with with gender identity ideology, Isabella. They're just so, anyway, um, and they were, you know, they didn't disappoint. Uh, but then Auckland went and said, here, hold my beer. <laughs> it was just, you know, like I said, they had a week long of all this and that, you know, blurring out of, Kelly J's hand on the, um, gosh, I'm so sorry, I forget which media outlet it was now. It, they all they all blended into one. They just all repeated the same, the same narrative, unhinged, like totally un, just, you know, what, what can I say? <laughs> and so, of course, I think it was after Hobart, a few rainbow groups got together in New Zealand and tried to stop her from entering the country. They went to the High Court in New Zealand who said, ah, mm, well, she's got to, you know, she's allowed in the country because we've got no evidence of her being a Nazi, none whatsoever. That's why she was allowed in Australia too because there's just no links. There's nothing. There's no proof. Right. And, right. and amongst all of this too, Isabella, not once did any of these media outlets even highlight or showcase what Kelly J herself says at these events or what we women had to say. Not at all. It was all, you know, it was all smoke and mirrors. And like I said, it felt contrived. So by the time she got to Auckland, I believe she had a a death threat on a note slipped under her hotel door. Um, and I, I, I'm not sure if it was this, anyway. I, I know one hotel cancelled on her while she was on her way to New Zealand uh, because you know this mud that was being flung about about her. People just believe it. It's un, you know that's what I don't get, Isabella. Like, have people taken leave of their senses? Like, what, do you seriously think that you know, woman, elderly woman? A gathering to talk about our rights are, you know, equal or the same as Nazis. Or are they saying Nazis are feminists now? Yeah, that's the that's the weird, that's the even more insane. But nobody's thinking. Like it's all just confusion and like robotic, like mo like 
you don't it doesn't have to make sense to repeat it and enact it and repeat it and enact it and you know as you said all the news media just going blah, 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 you know yeah. that's wild i uh, so it thank you for, uh, thank mm. you for kind of taking us through the you know kind of what happened in australia because i had i had no idea like the sequence you know again because okay I, all the footage that i've been seeing is just you know what happened on the ground there and um yeah, fair enough it's pretty it's, big it's pretty big you know? right but you but know, that back so... that like what what came before is is important like the build-up and we saw that here in in the u.s tour is that i don't know if you saw the footage from new york where the barricades were um being pushed up and and there were about 400 counter protesters and about 100 by the end of it about 100 police officers and then about 20 to 30 women you know just backed up yeah. actually in a dead end like where they yeah. they couldn't actually get out if they wanted to but um yeah but that was the last leg of her u.s tour and she didn't actually make it in mm. because for i don't for whatever reason it didn't it didn't it wasn't safe um but yeah. and the other thing too sorry i should mention as well that di landy co-founder of monohini in new zealand she actually had an interview with Today FM in New Zealand, Rachel Smalley, I think her name is, and she spelled out very, very clearly that we're not Nazis, <laughs> you know. So that was like one of the first interviews. I think that was on the Monday before. I want to say it's the Monday. I think it was the twentieth. It was either the Monday or the Tuesday of the week leading up to all this, this ridiculous, you know, <laughs> um, in, inaccurate or mischaracterization, sorry, of what, you know, Kelly J stands for and who she is. So Dylandy even she she had an interview on on radio and no one picked it up. Convenient. I saw footage of the men doing the Hauka in front of like like uh kind of coming up against some gender uh, synthetic sex identity uh, advocates um and yep. some antifa people that was a really powerful that was a really powerful uh just like visual that i saw like in like in contrast to you know kelly j being like taken away by you know yes. multiple police mm -hmm. um, officers and being protected by women on the ground too we should say you know make make note of yeah. that 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 women were actually using their bodies as barricades mm -hmm. to protect kelly j and help kind of like move her along with uh security you know into at least that's what i that's what i gathered from the photos and some of the footage that it was this you know women were putting their bodies on the line in in oh geez. absolutely absolute warriors those women you know um yeah their bodies were definitely put on the line that day but just broadly speaking just so with the haka so there was actually another event happening i'm not too sure where actually but not it was so that was a different event that you saw the men doing the haka. Brian Tamaki isn't the name of the uh, the guy that is attached to that particular, and his wife Hannah Tamaki as well. But I'm not sure exactly what they're because we didn't know that they were having an event when we were organising this one. You know, we had no idea. Mm. But see what so just generally speaking, just so I can canvas that mm. address that part. So the the synthetic sex identitarians violent lynch mob. Um, I think they were high on their success, say that Lucy, because it hasn't turned out that way for them, from, you know, beating women, spitting on women, punching women. They, they were high on their violence um, from Kelly J's event. So they went up the road. I say up the road, Lucy, I don't know exactly where. <laughs> to that event where, where you saw the photos of the of the men doing the haka, which was at that event, the Brian Tamaki and his wife, Hannah Tamaki, their event, whatever it was they were doing. I'm sorry, I'm not sure exactly what they were doing. But they also agree that sterilising our tamariki is not a good idea. So, but of course, I think the synthetic sex um, identitarians didn't quite, yeah, they weren't, uh, they weren't successful with that because, of course, the men were there and they were like, you know, yeah. So they... Um, that didn't go off the way that they wanted with the second year. But, you know, like, what a rabid mob. Oh, let's go let's go in and beat up other people. You know, like, I don't, I mean, I know, I know that the, you know, the crime 
statistics back home are, are getting worse. I know everyone knows that. Um, horrible, you know, but um, I think there's, there was a lot of things that fed into, you know, what happened on Saturday. But, you know, mostly it's because the powers that be allowed it to happen. That's really what happened. You know, when when all is said and done, it wouldn't have mattered if we had six foot, you know, fencing with weights, mm-hmm. barbed wire. Wouldn't have, not that we wouldn't have done that, but you know what I mean. Wouldn't have mattered. They were like they were two thousand strong, two thousand, and there was wow. only wow. Oh my gosh! You know, yeah, I'm telling you, like women have come out of there traumatized. I think it was not. Uh, it might have been two days after. I think it was two days after. So it would have been on the Monday. A radio, um, a radio host. His name is Sean Plunkett in New Zealand, and his um, his channel was called uh, the Platform. He opened the lines for women. It was Women's Day. He called it, and he was having women call in so that they could speak to their experience or perhaps you know speak about what they wanted to say at the event. Mm. Um, but it was it, it was what it looked like on when you see the videos. Isabella was a mess, and at first it was really difficult because we thought that someone was trying. Someone had actually, you know, grabbed KJ around the throat. We were freaking, you know. Um, but as it turned out, it was actually her security making sure that she didn't hit the floor because that's what we could. We thought if any of the, those women go down, especially if Kelly J goes down, it game over. You know, and I'm so, so glad. I can't even imagine what it would have been like for her family to watch that. You know, it's the first thing I thought of was, oh, my God, her husband and children. I don't know, I hope her children didn't see it. But, you know, how awful to see that. Um, and for the woman to put their bodies on the line, you know, one one woman, she's in her 70s, has come out with a, a fractured skull. The woman who was punched? Yep. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And not just once either. So, um, and not just said there's another woman has got a broken foot. You know, that it was just violence. It was just unmitigated, unfettered mm-hmm. violence. It's just no, no it's two like words. A, it was just like a have at it. it. Like run, run yeah. loose. It, now's your do it while you can. Do it while it's socially yeah. uh, acceptable. You know, if this happened in a different context, different response. But in this context, it's somehow enabled justified and also too Isabella like the 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 man that actually the young man that that put the call out to everyone to come and counter protest he's he recently won um young New Zealander of the year he won that yesterday his name's Chanel Lai Chanel Lau, I think it is mm. now he's deep and with governmental people I know that's it's. I'm telling you, it's rotten to the core. It really is, absolutely rotten to the core. But you know, the good thing about this is that it has ripped the scab off. And you know, as they say, sunlight is the best disinfectant, and everyone has seen exactly how awful it is, how awful they are. And how we, you know, what we've actually been fighting all these years. Now they've realised, you know, they've realised the real impact because it's, you know, a bit like how some women don't really see it as, you know, their body's being colonised. It's not until it's either explained or you can see, you know, get a snapshot of what in fact is going on, like we saw on Saturday, that people Mm -hmm. realise, oh, my goodness, this is what you've been talking about what you've been, you know, wanting to speak about, what you've been trying to communicate about, this is it. And so I'm not glorifying it or anything like that, don't get me wrong, but kind of did us a favour because they they showed the world just how vile they are and how totalitarian they are. You know, nothing, I'm sure you're aware of this, but, you know, nothing is good enough for them, um, nothing but complete and utter capitulation. So, so that's what we saw on Saturday. Well, thank you for 
having hard lines is what I want to say, because That's there is no, lines. yeah, there is no neutrality in this. There is no, well, I can do this and they can have this and I can have that. And there's enough slices of the pie. No, no. Like you there's said, no you have to completely yeah. capitulate. Yeah. And the thing is they've got, they've got their human rights. They make out, you know, and I'm sure you know this too, trans rights are human rights. Well, what, what rights don't they already have? They have their rights. They're actually talking about privileges is what they mean. And so that's what we say no to. It's like, well, no, have your human rights. You've already got them because you're human. But the rest, no, absolutely not, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and we do this, we do this too, Isabella, because, you know, obviously, you know, we're old. We don't care. We'll tell people where, where to go. <laughs> you know, we're adults. You know what I'm saying? But we're doing this for our children, our grandchildren, and our grandchildren not yet born. You know, that's what we're hoping is that we're still, you know, we want we want our culture to survive. You know, the other thing, too, is that we also have <clears throat> first time in history that we've had so many Māori sitting in parliament right now so uh, sadly there are maori academics and politicians who are right there at the forefront driving this ideology there were i know of two greens mps um that were at the counter protest on saturday and they one of them is the minister for the prevention of violence for women and girls and she's Māori, can I just say? She's Māori, Marama Davidson. Like you said, it's not a unanimous mm. <laughs> population and it's, it's infuriating. I mean, yeah, it's absolutely yeah. infuriating. I mean, it's just like psychological operation on top of psychological operation. And I, I think, you know, the, the, mind, the mind control that is going on, you know, I think the, the coercion, I mean... It is so far beyond, I think. Oh, it's easy to feel totally hopeless. And as you said, you just, you know, at this point, you're just putting out fires when it comes to what's going on in New Zealand. But but like you said, you know, they did they did show themselves and and they yeah, they did show themselves. So that's one you know what that saying is, you know, when when someone shows you who they are, believe them. I believe them. I absolutely believe them. I've always believed them. There, is there anything else we didn't get to that you want to speak to or or perhaps close close with? Yeah, look, I, I would. I've been thinking on this, and I guess you know because I've been obviously uh, talking to um, women in New Zealand. But you know, if if anything, Auckland Auckland showed us, or New Zealand showed us, how important it is that we you know, do the work before us, that we keep our eye on the prize, you know, allowing allowing them to frighten you. That's what they want, obviously. You know, that's what all abusers want, right? <laughs> but I, I just, you know, want to encourage women to to continue, you know, working on this. I, I mean, I have to be fair, I haven't heard anyone saying, oh, you know, I'm not going to, oh, my goodness, you know, I'm so frightened now. I've not heard that, but I'm just saying, Isabella that I'd really like to encourage women just to you know do whatever you can with what you have and where you're at because you know this is an urgent urgent issue mm -hmm. and I hope that how I've explained it from um, from our indigenous point of view you know highlights for us at least and this is the thing you know because we're a minority, it will eat away at us. It won't take much. It will not take much, you know. But then, of course, then there are other cultures, obviously, besides ours. So this really does have the potential to wipe us out if we're not careful, you know. And I don't want to say, I don't want to, you know, bang on too much about infighting and we all know that there's lots of infighting going on I, I just want to encourage women you know we just need to lay lay that down bury that that hatchet you know we're adults you know and let's get this done because we need to take you know take this opportunity 
and and use use it for good you know make use of it and other than that i just want to thank you so much for having me on your channel thank you so much michelle If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or family member who needs to hear this content. And if you do share it on social media, don't forget to follow and tag me at whose body is it. So until next time, 